We have been in a powerful series we have called Full of It. In life, we find that we are filled with many things. We fill ourselves with friends, with family, with our career, with stuff. And while some of these things can be positive, this series has examined what Jesus comes to offer to fill our lives. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. As a result, we have been looking at the ways Jesus wants us to have full life. The full life we are searching for is looking to answer those three universal questions each of us will ask at some point in our lives. Who am I? Why am I here? How am I to live? We started this series by understanding that our life to be full, we need to first listen for the voice of Jesus. It's important we follow the right voice. In our journey through life, we can be on paths that lead to all sorts of places. In order to find the path to full life, we have to follow the voice of Jesus. Then we answered the question of, who am I? By understanding that our identity is not defined by what we do, either wrong or right, but it's defined by the fact that we are all sons and daughters of God. And last week, we went through the idea that we are all here to love one another in new and powerful ways. The gifts we have been given should be used to love and serve all the people in our world. Today, we are going to answer that last question of, how am I to live? I think that for all of us, we struggle with all what that's really about. When we ask the question of how are we to live, we are really trying to understand what our main goal for this life is. And there are a few ways we try to live this out. Maybe it's for my pleasure. I mean, many of us are here to be happy all the time and do whatever it takes to make this happen. Maybe it's our careers. Maybe you've, you put your goal in being the top of your industry and you want the power and respect that will come with that. Maybe it's to set your family up for success. I mean, we all want our kids to have more than we ever had, either financially or in their education or in the number of friends they have. So we focus all of our time and energy on making them happy. Maybe it's just to live a good life and be the best person I can be. I mean, for many of us, this idea that we treat everyone well and don't cause any ripples, we're then going to have a good and full life. Or maybe it's to be a good Christian. For some of you watching, your life is about following all the rules. If you do that appropriately and make sure other people do that as well, then you will have completed your mission. Our culture or religious views may tell us that we are supposed to live for many of those things. Those things are what we are to be about. Today I want to tell you that Jesus offers a very different mission. As a son or daughter of God, being equipped to love, He invites us to be on the same mission He is on. When I use the word mission, I often find my mind drifting to those Mission Impossible movies with Tom Cruise. First of all, let me say something. Tom Cruise never seems to age. And also, though, those movies are so good. Now, you may not be an action movie person, but let me tell you, those movies never disappoint when it comes to being entertaining. Now, these were adapted from a TV show, and in those movies, you have Tom Cruise's character who's offered a mission, and the line goes, your mission, if you choose to accept it. And the mission was always impossible. Hence the title, right? And no matter what happened, the Mission Impossible team came out on top. They always won. Well, although our mission might not be so blockbuster at first, we too are called to be on a mission as well. 
In the Bible, we can read exactly what our mission is meant to be when we read a passage where Jesus is talking to his disciples. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, which is part of the gospel or the story of Jesus' life. Now this story comes after Jesus has already died and raised from the dead. And and his disciples are standing with him on a mountain and he's getting ready to leave them. In essence, this is one of the last things Jesus teaches his followers in person. Here is what Jesus says in Matthew 28, starting in verse verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When our Father calls us to full life in Jesus, He calls us to be deployed on a life-giving mission of love and reconciliation. We're to take His message of God's love out into every corner of our culture. You see, being a disciple means we are also making other disciples. Or, in other words, being a disciple is learning from Jesus to live like Jesus. We cannot experience full life in Jesus without also sharing His life with others and inviting them to get on the path with us. And how do we do that? What is it exactly that Jesus tells us to do to make disciples? There are two important things that He says that make disciples. We're to baptize them and we need to teach them. You see, this was His mission for them. The first word in that message that he says is go. And this version of the word go in the Bible was actually translated meaning to continue the journey, which is exactly the emphasis Jesus was trying to make. He was saying to the disciples that they needed to continue the journey he had started. For Jesus, he had started this mission of making disciples while he was on this earth. But he knew for his ministry to be effective, he must leave and allow us to become his hands and feet. That's why today's big idea is we are deployed for the mission of discipleship. We do this through first sharing the word of God and helping people discover their identity in Jesus and then baptizing them into a full life. Then we teach them about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how we are equipped to love God and to love others. I'm sure there are people out there who struggle with this idea of why Jesus left us when he could have just stayed to help spread God's word and make more disciples. I mean, wouldn't Jesus be the most effective person to do this? Yes, I'm sure Jesus would have been successful in making this happen, but this was not the point. Here's the point. Jesus knew that for his disciples to truly grow and know him more, they needed the opportunity to go out on their own. They didn't need him as a crutch to hold them up and do everything for them. I mean, this is a lesson we learn with kids as well. We could easily follow around behind our kids, picking up their messes, keeping them from getting hurt, tending to their every need, but this wouldn't make them grow as a person. Instead of learning or maturing, they would simply become over-reliant on us. They would never learn to clean, study, or how to do anything on their own. This wouldn't be a very full life. Jesus knew the same about his disciples. While he could have done this for them, he knew that for the message of God to be effective and powerful, then more people needed to be trained in the way to make this happen. 
Listen, I know this is scary because I think we worry about the ability to do this as a believer. We struggle with the responsibility and pressure of making disciples. We see our flaws and our bad behaviors and we're tempted to think, well, I can't even figure out my own discipleship. How am I supposed to do this for somebody else? See, Jesus died to reconcile the entire world back into relationship with God. His grace saved us. We depend on His power and not our own to give us what we need to be on mission. If He has saved us through no power of our own, we can be sure He will do that through our lives, what He wants to do to draw others to Himself. As we said last week, God will never call you to a mission without equipping you. So how do we do it? What does it look like to be deployed for the mission of discipleship? You see, the mission is to stand out from others how they act so they will see the light in our lives. We aren't effective when we go out and try to push Jesus into their faces. However, when people look at us and see that we are different from those people at work who complain and lie and cheat to get ahead, or those people at school who do all the same things, they want to know what makes us different. This is the point of what we're trying to show people with our extravagant love for them. We're showing them we are different and we will not be the same. Remember, we are deployed for the mission of discipleship. And just like the original men who were with Jesus, we are meant to be sent into the world. Those were not the last men who were meant to be the hands and feet of Jesus, but they were the first. Even before Jesus died, He was preparing the disciples for this task. He was deploying them even in the time before going to the cross. You see, in the book of Luke, we read the story of how Jesus sent out the disciples. He empowered them with the power to cure diseases and cast out demons. He was equipping them as he spent his last weeks on this earth. But that was not it. Luke later writes about more people he sent out to do his work. Here's what Luke wrote starting in chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. This passage really lays down for us the idea that Jesus was about deploying people into the mission field. He sent 72 people before him in pairs going into every town and place where he himself was about to go. It's important to understand what Jesus was doing. He was sending these people not as a replacement for him, but he was sending them to the prepare the way for Jesus. This was important because these men were going ahead to get people ready for what was coming. They set the table for Jesus who was on his way. You see, for you and me, this is what discipleship is all about. We are preparing people for Jesus to come into their lives. We are setting the table so that God can change their hearts and their minds and give them full and rich life. We are going into towns and faraway places of our world to prepare the harvest for Jesus. 
Jeeves even said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We are called to be harvesters for Jesus. So where is your harvest field today? We need to be aware of the places that God is calling us to make disciples. Where is it that God says, go and make disciples of these people? For some of us, we feel the tug of God saying to us to move across the world and reach out to the lives of the people who are hungry, not only for food, but for the Word of God. You might feel the urge to disciple those people in countries where their government won't allow God, and you're willing to sacrifice it all to make that happen. However, for the majority of us, our mission might be to keep us closer to home. We might be called to baptize and teach in our work. For many of us, our work is about our success and future. We're doing the things we do because we want to fill our lives with stuff or accolades. However, if we understand that our workplace can be our mission, then we begin to understand that how we work and the attitude we have can make impact on people who are not believers. Maybe it's in your relationships. You know, just like our works, those people with whom we socialize and see regularly are part of our mission field. For students, these are your friends at school or on the sports field. Those kids you spend your week with and your weekends hanging out with. Maybe the college friends in your dorms, in your classes, or the parties at ca on campus. I mean, for all of us, it's our neighbors. These people we see every day on our street, at the coffee shop, or just around town. For the people we call friends, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to, to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Jesus didn't say, let your light shine when it's convenient or when you feel like letting it shine. He said that our light cannot be hidden or put out. It must shine. It shines for all to see in a way that they can see that we are believers and that gives glory to God. We were meant to shine for those people in our lives and in this way, they can want the same life. I mean, do you think God is happy if we come in on a Sunday morning, sing our songs, and then go out and hide our light? I think He would rather you just not come at all if you can't take His light out into the world. Remember, we are deployed for the mission of discipleship, and that mission doesn't necessarily mean you have to be jetting across the world, but it does mean that you are actively looking for ways to love others extravagantly and teaching them what it means to live like Jesus to be more like Jesus. You see, when Jesus chose to die for you and me, He knew that this grace was the ultimate gift. We're coming up into a season where we give gifts to those people we love, and, and Jesus chose to do that as well. He gave each of us a gift that we could not earn. We know that's true. However, we also know that when we accept that gift, we have also chosen to become part of the harvest, and therefore we are harvesters. Jesus is saying to us, this gift, if you choose to accept it, means you have a mission. You see, the mission is not what we accept. We accept the gift. And when we do, we should feel the urge to want to be part of the mission. This week, I want to challenge you to find a way to tell someone what you've learned today. Encourage them. Invite them to church or, or life group. Ask them to begin to study God's Word with you. Whatever it is, accept the mission that Jesus has put before you and start going into the harvest fields of your life. 
Don't let fear, selfishness, or apathy stand in the way of the mission God has put before you. The mission is not impossible because Jesus did the impossible when He rose from the dead. And we can have faith that we can help lead people to Him and the full life that He offers to us all.